You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. It's myself, Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you this show. Hopefully my voice holds up for the show quite sore this morning. I am recording this at 6.30am Melbourne time, so... All the crazy things you do for the world of NFL and, of course, for the fantastic podcast audience. So 6.30 a.m. starting here, I'll be talking very, very shortly to Chris Trapasso of NFL.com who covers the Buffalo Bills and all of that AFC East Division along with many other things. We'll be talking to him in just a little moment. As always, starting the show, thanks for downloading. Hopefully you're enjoying the recent content. I'm going to keep it going as much as possible over the next few weeks, two shows a week, and that is the schedule for the rest of the season. So uh, obviously lots of stuff going on in the the NFL this week, lots of injuries, lots of big results happening, lots of shock results happening as well. I'm going to be talking with Chris about all those. Hopefully uh, things going well for you since the last time you were here. The show's layout today slightly different than regular. We're going to talk to Chris, get his thoughts on a lot of topics around the NFL and then uh, the ones that we don't cover. I'll be back at the end of the show just by myself to uh, run through the rest of them, including injuries that we don't talk about and uh, such things as uh, we move forward. But without any further ado, let's get it done. Let's get straight into the interview and let's get Chris Trapasso on the show right now. Let's recap this weekend's NFL action. It's the OTI Weekend Roundup. Delighted to be joined back in the podcast once again by Chris Trapasso of NFL.com along with many other publications. It's always great getting him on. Uh, for those who don't know, Chris does a lot of covering of the Buffalo Bills along with that entire division and obviously a lot of interesting stuff going on in that this week. So we're going to be talking about that along with uh, much more stuff around the NFL. But as always, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure it's going to be an absolute pleasure, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, obviously, lots of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, the Buffalo Bills getting a win on the road against the Jets at the Thursday night football to start things off. And then, obviously, all the way to the, the Dolphins winning um, against the Eagles in Philadelphia. And then Julian Edelman finishing the week with that broken foot. So, lots of stuff going on in the uh, AFC East. And I'm going to give you a chance to just uh, wrap it up in a nice little bow, whatever way you want to start off and whatever way you want to finish. But a very, very interesting week for the division. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like you said, just to kind of go in chronological order, just Rex going back uh, to MetLife Stadium to face his former team on Thursday night in primetime. Really big win for the Bills. They were the better team for pretty much the entire game. Uh, they kind of let their lead slip away in the fourth quarter. There was a muffed punt. Um, they gave up some big plays in the running game in the fourth quarter that they really didn't give up to Chris Ivory. Um, in the first three quarters, but they held on for the win. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick really seems to be, I mean, he's he's had a good season, but he really just seems to be that guy that, that we've seen over the last five or six years. Like, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good quarterback. He can be a adequate game manager, but then it seems like when his team is trailing, uh, he tends to force the football. He's not very good down the field. He certainly, I would say he's better than, you know, the slew of, backup quarterbacks that we've seen play this season and that's why we've seen him start for so many different teams over the last uh you know even since he was with the bills in uh 2012 like since then he started for so many different teams um and then when you look at the dolphins game you know that game was 16 to 3 eagles and it really and the dolphins really were not doing anything on offense sam bradford was actually moving the eagles offense pretty well um so you certainly have to give dan campbell and his team a lot of credit for um, you know, showing a lot of resiliency on the road. And although the Eagles have been, you know, 
incredibly um, inconsistent this year. You know, to be down 16 to three on the road after a two-game losing streak, and then to uh, come back and get that win was huge. And then I think the Patriots. You know, that was the biggest game of the week. I mean, um, unless you were a Bills fan or a Jets fan or, or, or part of Rex Ryan's family, um, just with the way that the um, Giants have really handled the Patriots, you know, just almost shockingly over the last uh, four or five seasons, whether it was a Super Bowl or in regular season games, that they've really been um, the only team that's been able to actually beat the Patriots, um, even when they didn't have necessarily great teams. Um, there's obviously a lot of controversy with the Odell Beckham catch. Um, it was pretty crazy how the game ended with Landon Collins. It seemed like, you know, it was pretty much like a fair catch punt yeah. um, that Tom Brady threw up on his final drive. And for some reason, Landon Collins felt like he needed to make this crazy jump backwards and he landed on, you know, it was actually a pretty scary looking fall. He kind of landed on his head neck area. And, and he, I think he tweeted afterwards that he, um, you know, like lost consciousness for a second or just kind of got the wind knocked out of him. And that's why he dropped the football. And then, really when you look at it with with a completely battered offensive line um, that the Patriots had, losing Julian Edelman, some other guys on defense weren't playing, and Tom Brady, although, you know, if if that play, if uh, Landon Collins intercepts that pass, the game's over and the Giants win, and it's a completely different storyline for sure, and obviously Odell Beckham's catch in the end zone with about two minutes left would have sealed the game, um, but you do have to hand it to Tom Brady that, you know, although the Giants did give him life, um, they had some weird clock management toward the end of the game there. They gave him life, and, you know, he took advantage of it, and he set up his team for a, a really big win. And, again, you know, the Giants were not 7-1 and one going into this game, 7-2, and two, but they, they played the Patriots really well throughout the whole game. They got after Tom Brady. They really took advantage of the Patriots. Really injury-battered offensive line, but Tom Brady was still able to lead his team to a win. And I think not enough credit this season has really gone to the Patriots' defense. Certainly, Tom Brady is having a MVP-type year, and, and to some, it's, it's his best season of his entire career this late in his career, which is really remarkable. But when you look at, you know, even two or three years ago, the Patriots had a lot of trouble in their secondary, were not fantastic up front on defense, and now they're. Um, front seven that does not necessarily have superstars. They're just as a collective group have just played really well. Um, losing Revis, losing Brandon Browner, losing Kyle Arrington. Um, they have, have still been able to be a, a really good secondary on the back end. So at the beginning of the game, Odell Buckingham gets loose for a long touchdown. But really after that, there was not a lot of big plays for the Giants offense. Um, and so I think that game, I mean, the Bills win in – MetLife Stadium was obviously huge, but the Patriots just staying unbeaten and kind of it's weird that the Patriots had to get kind of a monkey off their back because they've been so good over the last 15 years. But to finally beat the Giants, I think, was really big for them and uh, has them as as one of the last two unbeaten teams in the NFL. Yeah, watching this game, I thought looking through it, there were so many opportunities for the Giants to get the win in this one. So it was obviously a tough loss for them in the end. Uh, the Patriots, you know, long term with Julian Edelman, it's going to be interesting to see how they do there. But Amendola's starting to step up, make some plays, so it'll be interesting that way. Obviously, they lost Deion Lewis. 
last week and uh, the offensive line issues you mentioned are pretty beat up there so we'll see how they do going forward but an 8-0 record uh, gives them a nice little cushion to work things out as they as they progress forward you mentioned the Eagles game against the uh, the Dolphins Sam Bradford obviously getting injured in that one and uh, Mark Sanchez back in at quarterback looks like he's going to get a few games at least there with the injury to uh, Bradford we'll see how that uh, as as time goes forward as well a lot of injuries again this week and uh, it's been a couple of tough weeks for injuries in the NFL. The Eagles also losing Jordan Matthews in this one to a, a concussion. Any other injuries around the, the league this week in particular that really, really stood out to you? Well, to kind of stay in the in the AFC East and with the Patriots, I think the Julian Edelman injury is, is huge. That um, when you look at how the Patriots started this season, and this has kind of been what their mantra has been on offense or their philosophy has been over the last, at least two seasons that Tom Brady was getting rid of the ball so quickly. They were really all about screen plays, quick slants, and utilizing those really quick, great yards after the catch guys like Deion Lewis, like Julian Edelman, like Danny Amendola in their offense. Um, and, you know, in their matchup against the Bills earlier in the season, um, the Patriots really totally negated the Bills' pass rush because Tom Brady was getting the ball out so quickly. And that style of offense, um, just forces, you know, cornerbacks, linebackers, safeties to make, you know, continually make tackles in space. And I'm not saying that, you know, no cornerbacks, no safeties are, are, are good at tackling, but when you're forcing them to, to make those tackles in space 30, 40 times a game, they're going to miss tackles. And, and even if they don't, you're probably going to be picking up five to eight yards a pop. So I think with Edelman out, they still have, have Amendola, who has a similar skill set, obviously, similar size um, but without Lewis without Amendola now I think you'll see the Patriots use a lot more um, heavy sets you'll see a lot more two and even three tight ends They'll pro- they probably and and this kind of goes in conjunction with the weather um, it's it's kind of turning in the northeast it's actually unseasonably warm right now but I mean over the next couple months or at least couple weeks it's it's going to start to get colder there's going to be start to be some wind maybe some snow um, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to run the football a little more, especially as some of their offensive linemen come back. Um, but I think that injury for a team, you know, such a high-profile team that is trying to, to win home field advantage um, throughout the playoffs, and they've been so good at home in the playoffs over the last couple of years um, that, you know, if they are that number one seed, it's going to be really hard to unseat them. So I think that injury is probably the biggest of Week 10 just because it, it will change their dynamic where it's not going to be Tom Brady dropping back to pass 60 times and throwing, you know, 30 screens, yeah. uh, 10 of which go to Edelman. So I think, well, I mean, Bill Belichick is amazing, and he's he's been the best adjuster um, of any head coach that I've seen um, over the last, I don't know, 10, 10 to 20 years at least, if not ever. So I think he'll be able to adjust, but just – we're going to see a different kind of Patriots offense because although you can use Amendola, they still have James White. They can use some of their running backs um, in that capacity. They're not going to be able to run as much quick stuff as they um, were doing throughout this whole season with Edelman as their, you know, quote-unquote number one receiver. 
Yeah, it's a you know a six to eight week injury is the initial prognosis. So you know you're putting yourself right at the start off the playoffs. There, obviously, the Patriots in a position at mm-hmm. the moment to get the bye as well. So that would certainly help them. Yep. But sometimes these injuries and the foot injuries can linger. So we'll see how that goes. A crazy kind of week for quarterback situations around the league. I mentioned the Sam Bradford injury. Mark Sanchez comes in there. The other part of the trade with him and. Um, with the, the with the Rams was Nick Foles. Nick Foles now has been benched as well. So there's a lot of situations going around in the league. Peyton Manning taken off the field this week after four interceptions. He did break the NFL all-time leading passer record, uh, passing yards record. But you know uh, it didn't come on a good day for him. Uh, the other one then, Big Ben, he comes in kind of in a different way, an injury uh, to Landry Jones. He walks onto the field and really tears things up uh, on Sunday. And uh, Tony Romo expected to be back this week. And uh, TJ Yates, Eden, leading, leading the uh, Houston Texans rather to, uh, to victory in Cincinnati. Through all those kind of quarterback situations, there was a lot of them this week in the water is quite murky going forward. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick too with the Jets having thumb surgery on Friday. Uh, Gino Smith may start this week. Out of all those quarterback situations, which did you uh, find to be the biggest talking point of Week Ten? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. That I mean, like when you really like spell out each one, there's there's a lot of a lot going on at the quarterback position yeah. at, at a you know the start of a very critical juncture um, in the regular season. I think starting off, it, it would probably have to be the whole situation in Denver, just because it is Peyton Manning, and that early in the season um, it seemed like or I think the Broncos were winning in spite of Peyton Manning, that he was playing really, really bad football. Um, not anything that we've seen from him, even going back to his rookie year, or maybe that was the last time that, that like we had seen him throw so many interceptions and just be inept down the field. The defense was really carrying the team with a lot of pick sixes, and they were saving games late. Um, and then there was two or three games in there where Manning looked like his old self, and then he just completely imploded at home. In a division game, which is, I mean, obviously the worst kind of way to lose, you know, at home against one of your rivals in the division. Um, and I think that's, I mean, beyond it just being Peyton Manning, who's, you know, arguably the best quarterback of all time, the fact that the Broncos two weeks ago, you know, they have the Patriots coming to Denver, they have the Cincinnati Bengals coming to Denver, they seem to be the team that, you know, they were in the best position to win home field advantage in the playoffs. They were undefeated. Um and now they've lost two in a row um, to two teams that, I mean, not that the Colts are a horrible team or the Chiefs are a horrible team, but they were, you know, pretty heavy, pretty heavily favored in both of those games. A lot of people, you know, thought that the Broncos would not necessarily cruise through those games, but those were going to be two wins um, and that a few other uh, more tough games were going to be later um, in the season. So I think for a, a team that's certainly still in the race for home field advantage and is, you know, in – at the top of the top-heavy AFC, um, I think that's most interesting because there's been, you know, in Denver there's been a lot of hype, whether it was from preseason or training camp, about Brock Osweiler. Um, he pretty much was playing in garbage time. He led a couple scoring drives, which was good. Um, so I think when you have a team that's near the top of their conference um, and they're going to be playing some really important games coming up and you have Peyton Manning out, a week, maybe two, who knows how long it'll, um, this plantar fasciitis issue will linger or if they'll have to tough it out um, with the Patriots coming to town in two weeks. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest. I think with Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez, you're kind of getting the same quarterback. Um, Sam Bradford might be a little more talented in terms of his arm strength, um, but really those two guys are just so inconsistent that they'll look great for a quarter, then they'll miss five straight wide-open receivers. <laughs> throw a couple of interceptions, they're not great under pressure. 
uh, Nick Foles has really been inept this season and that you've seen the last two weeks that Todd Gurley has really been bottled up. And a lot of that has been because when you watch the film, just Nick Foles has just not been able to uh, – you know, come off his first read. He's been not good at stepping up in the pocket when there's pressure coming off the edge. So teams have loaded the box with not just seven, but sometimes eight and even nine defenders against Todd Gurley. And for as good as he is, for as talented and powerful and fast as he is, um, when there's, I mean, that numbers game is just has not been in the Rams' favor the last two weeks. And that's why you saw the, I mean, I think why you saw the Bears come into that game, or come in to St. Louis and really handle that team. I mean, obviously, the Bears were good on offense, but over, you know, in October, Todd Gurley was really carrying that team. So the Foles um, news about him getting benched was not super surprising. And I think, really, when you look at all of them, and there are a lot, Johnny Manziel, obviously, but, I mean, he's starting for a 2-8 and eight Browns team. It, yeah. it will be interesting to see um, if he continues to get better, um, you know, if he can do enough to inspire hope in the Browns' ownership and their fans to have Mike Pettin and Ray Farmer keep their jobs. But I still think Brock Osweiler, just with the team that he's on, the record, who he's replacing, some big games coming up for that team, that's the most important or the most worthwhile uh, quarterback change that we saw this week. Yeah, and obviously this game wasn't even close. 29-13, to 13, the final score. The Broncos shut out in the first three quarters. Brock Osweiler leading the team to 13 points uh, in the fourth quarter. But the game was pretty much cruise control for the Chiefs mm-hmm. all the way through. Um, a couple other things. We got, you mentioned there the Bears. We got a question in about on Twitter about the Bears from Alan mm-hmm. Riley. And he's wondering, uh, do you think the Bears after this victory this week, uh, obviously 37-13 to 13 against the Rams, are legit? And they they done it? Their, you know, their comeback story, is there a possibility they can hunt into the playoffs? There's been some talk of their players saying that this week. Uh, obviously, Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Bennett used very, very little in this, but a, a monster game here for Miller. Well, yeah, I mean, I think when you see uh, what Adam Gates has really done with that offense, and I'm a big I'm a big advocate of, you know, you can be the smartest offensive mind, um, but if you don't have the players, you're going to look like a bad offensive coordinator. And obviously the same goes for defense, I think. Um, and and I think, you know, you can be a guy that doesn't really know what you're doing, and if you have a fantastic group of talent, you're going to look really good as a coach. But really, when you look at Adam Gage's background, he's been very creative um, in the past with the Broncos, and there has not been any, you know, issues with he and, and Jay Cutler, you know, any locker room issues. Um, and that it, it's kind of weird that without Brandon Marshall, you would have thought that, and I thought that the Bears were not going to have as many big plays down the field, but really um, – Jeremy Langford has been a complete godsend that, you know, Matt Forte goes down and, and he's been a back that's really been probably one of the more high usage or the highest usage usage um, running back in the league for the last couple of years that, you know, he always accounts for around 30, 33 to 37% of the Bears offense that he catches the ball out of the backfield. And you see, it's almost like Jeremy Langford looks like a young Matt Forte. Not that Matt Forte is done necessarily, but he's been in the league for a while. Um, Jeremy Lankard is catching the ball down the field, catching the ball on screens and taking it the distance. And I think Zach Miller, the tight end, his emergence has been huge. And then you have Alshon Jeffrey, who, despite his injuries and, you know, over the last two years, the Bears have not really been that great on offense. He is a top 10 wide receiver, I think. Um, he's got the size. Um, he's got fantastic hands, really big hands. Um, he's a possession guy, but with those amazing ball skills you know he is also a guy that can really threaten down the field um and i think probably the most important thing um that's that's really helped the bears this season is that their defense has gotten so much better that i think 
because Jay Cutler has that gunslinger mentality, when you put him down by two, three touchdowns in the second or third quarter, that's when he starts to force things and, and throw those really head-scratching um, interceptions. But with the job that Vic, Vic Fangio has done on defense, you know, former uh, San Francisco 49ers and Stanford defensive coordinator, and just the personnel that uh, first-year GM Ryan Pace has really given him, Pernell McPhee has been fantastic uh, coming over from the Ravens. Their linebacking core is a lot better. Um, their secondary is, is certainly better than it was last season. Adrian Amos has been a really good safety, um, really good against the run. And that's been the issue, that the Bears' run defense has just been so bad for a long time. And I've always thought, you know, if you can't stop the simplest play in football where, the, where any team can, can really execute a simple handoff, then you're going to be in trouble. So the Bears have gotten better. Um, in that facet, and I think that's allowing Jay Cutler to be a little more comfortable and not forcing things, and that he's realizing that it's okay to dump the ball off to his tight end, to his running back, and um, I think that's why we've seen them get a lot better in just in you know not even one full season. If they can make the playoffs, I mean they're four and five. Um, the NFC is not as completely wide open as the AFC is, but I think you know you never know. Um, because uh, they're not going to really face a Packers team that is, you know, a complete juggernaut like we've seen in the past. So I think that plays into it. And I think, you know, with the NFL, it's just so unpredictable. Uh, games on paper that look like they're going to go one way, go the other way. So I think if they can continue to string together um, two or three more victories and get above 500, um, then, hey, I mean, you never know. And there's certainly a team that – if they can stop the run and continue to run the football, even when Forte comes back, and they'll still have Jeremy Lightford, um, they're going to be playing in a lot of games with wind and the cold, and, and, and those two elements, that they have a good rushing attack, their offensive line has been a lot better, and they're much better in their, in their defensive front seven. That will certainly help. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I think this was a very tough loss for the Rams because I think they uh, they needed this one if they were going to hope to get into the, the wild mm-hmm. card contention. Although they're both 4-5 and five in the, the, the conference, I just think this was one if they want to move forward that they should have been winning. The last game I'm going to talk with you about, Chris, is the Washington Redskins. Kirk Cousins, uh, he's a quarterback that at the start of the season and most of the way through the season I had no real time for. I didn't rate him at all. But the last couple of weeks he's really starting to prove me very much wrong. Uh, they are four and one now at home, four and five for the season, blowing out the the Saints here, forty seven to ten. Have you been? Well, I suppose you have to be impressed with how he's playing. But the Redskins as a whole over the last couple of weeks, have you been uh, surprised at uh, some of the performances they've put in? Yeah, I've been a little bit surprised. But when you think about it, with Kirk Cousins, um, it's kind of interesting that he's he's such a perfect case study of two things for me. One that you can't and I mean, I think we've all kind of done this to a certain degree just with the society that we're living in today, that you can't judge a quarterback in his first five or even ten starts. And, you know, earlier in the season, the Redskins were in prime time. He played horribly through a lot of interceptions. Um, A lot of stats were being thrown out there that, you know, in in a lot fewer attempts, he had more interceptions than RG3. So I think when when Jay Gruden, you know, came out and said, he's my quarterback for the whole season, I feel like Jay Gruden thinks, you know, this is my last hurrah. You know, if, if Kirk Cousins, um, you know, doesn't really play well, if he falters, then he was probably going to be gone. So he said, I'm giving him this vote of confidence. He can, He's going to be this team's quarterback for the rest of the season. So there was no, you know, after a bad game or after a, you know, average performance, there was really no question about if he was going to have a job or not. 
Um, so I think after that, we've seen, you know, now that he's getting in to, you know, he, he started more than five games, he looks a lot more comfortable in the pocket. It certainly helped that he played the same defense, which has <laughs> been the worst in the league this year. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. But I think that um, just that we've seen him develop and that, you know, he wasn't a, you know, top-of-the-line prospect that went in the first round that, that whoever drafted him was going to have to wait a little bit. You had RG3 having a great rookie season in 2012, and, and a lot of those plays were either off read option passes that, that kind of sucked in the linebackers that were very easy throws or him running the football, um, but he just was not able to cut it as a pocket passer um, or wasn't wasn't able to be as nearly as effective if he stayed in the pocket. And I think Kirk Cousins, the book on him coming in, was that he was a pocket passer. And although it's taken him time to develop He's not a guy who wants to run around. I mean, he certainly is athletic and can if he needs to, which is fine. But he is a pocket passer first, and I think every week the game – I mean, and again, you know, playing the Saints certainly helped uh, this week. But I think every week you're seeing with him um, that the game is slowing down, that he's, you know, he's seen a lot of different coverages now, a lot of ways the teams disguise their coverages. So I think – the fact that Jay Gruden said, you know, I'm sticking with Cousins as my quarterback and just let him comfortably be the starter um, throughout this whole season, I think was huge for him. And really in the NFC East, you know, it's completely up for grabs. Like each week, you know, right when you think the Giants are going to really take command, they lose. The Cowboys haven't been able to win without Tony Romo. The Eagles are the same way. When their offense starts to click, they collapse at home like they did um this past week, so I think there's there's nothing that says that the Washington Redskins can't go. I don't know, even seven and nine or eight and eight, maybe nine and seven if they get hot and win this division. I think um, their first year GMs um, has done a really good job building that defense, especially up front. I think that's the most important thing on a defense. You need to be good on your defensive line in your linebacking core. Um, bringing in Terrence Knight in, um, even though they lost Brian Arakbo, they uh, drafted Preston Smith out of um, Mississippi State, who's a really versatile uh, defensive lineman, outside linebacker. The secondary is much better. They've had one of the worst secondaries over the past two or three seasons. So I don't think they're a you know upper echelon team, but in the NFC East, um, there's really no telling who's going to win it. No one's running away with it. So I think if Kirk Cousins continues to develop and signs are pointing that he will as a pocket passer, which is which is what you need to be to succeed in the NFL, I think, as a quarterback. Um, there's there's nothing to say that the uh, Washington Redskins can't go 8-8 eight and eight and, you know, end up hosting a uh, game in, in the postseason. Yeah, and you mentioned there about, you know, judging quarterbacks early. Kurt Cousins, when he sat behind RG3 and then played a couple of games, he was kind of, everyone was touting him, you know, somebody should trade for him, give up a first-round draft pick. And then all of a sudden, this past year, uh, at the start of the season, everyone was saying he was uh, an absolutely terrible player. And now we're back to being a very good player again. So you are very, very right on uh, jumping to conclusions and judging players. He went 20 of 25, and that's 324 yards, four touchdowns. So a monster game for him. Then the positive for them as well, they got Alfred Morris back on track, 92 yards for him and Matt Jones the rookie mm-hmm. uh, had, a, had a monster game at the running back position but it was through the air and he had 131 yards and a touchdown so a big big game here for the Redskins and obviously Jordan Reed's playing well as well so the longer he stays healthy the better but it was a it's a, a very very it's the, one of the results that really stood out to me this past week Rob Ryan obviously been let go as Saints defensive coordinator after this and their defense this season has pretty much been a shambles and uh, over the last couple of seasons it really has been too so 
probably a good decision there on the Saints' behalf. As always, Chris, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, hopefully we'll get you on later in the season. For anyone listening to the show that wants to give Chris a follow on Twitter, obviously he's on Twitter, it's at Chris Trapasso, and very, very informative always. And he's really, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter covering different teams, but when it comes to that AFC East and uh, particularly the Buffalo Bills, he's the one that I, I go to check out because uh, earlier, the, earlier in the, before the start of the season when I was uh, training camp, you were on and you're talking about previewing this division and uh, you came up with uh, Carlos Williams' name and if we look at what Carlos Williams has done this season when he's been on the field, it's been uh, quite quite a season for him. So you were the first one to point me in his direction and uh, you've <laughs> always come up with a, a lot of good nuggets of information. So uh, thanks as always, Chris, for joining us. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun. Hi, this is Harry Carson, former New York Giant and Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Overtime Ireland. Once again, thanks to Chris for coming on the show. Lots of fun as always. Um, you know, I mentioned with him, you know, a lot of the injuries around the NFL uh, and AC joint sprain for Sam Bradford, Peyton Manning, and that plantar fasciitis. He's going to be missing this coming game, possibly more, and we'll see how uh, Brock Osweiler gets on at quarterback uh, in this situation. It'll be interesting for the rest of the season because if he does play better than what we've seen of Peyton Manning in the last few weeks, maybe uh, we don't see Peyton Manning on the field for the rest of the season. That's one that we're just going to have to sit and wait and see. Julian Edelman, obviously, the big news we mentioned there with Chris. Uh, Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz is not going to play this season. Obviously missed uh, the majority of last season or the tour patella tendon. Was making his way back from that injury. But uh, he's going to end the season now on IR with a season-ending calf surgery. So working back from that previous injury, and there does be complications sometimes with other muscle injuries. The calf has been the one bothering him all the way from the preseason. So calf surgery is the next step in that process. We'll see if he can make it back on the field next season or if it just leads to more and more injuries. Uh, I mentioned there Geno Smith possibly playing after Ryan Fitzpatrick had the thumb surgery. Obviously, a lot of people knew over the last uh, week or so that there was a possibility they would miss the game against the Bills. But he played against the Bills. That was Thursday night football. Then he had the surgery Friday morning. So we'll see how long it takes him to get back on the field. He could possibly play this coming week. Justin Hunter, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans has gone on season end in IR as well. He broke his ankle in the loss to the Carolina Panthers. Jason McCarty, uh, Titans cornerback, he is going to have groin surgery. He's also on season end in IR, so a few uh, big losses there. Well, obviously, big losses. McCarty playing at cornerback, but um, Justin Hunter hasn't been all that great at the wide receiver position in the last few seasons. But, um, you know, still a young player, still very, very talented, but this uh, obviously lowers their depth at that position. I mentioned uh, Landry Jones getting, you know, he got a low ankle sprain. It's been classed as pretty severe, whether that is a grade one, two, or three <laughs> remains to be seen, but pretty severe. We're guessing that it's uh, at the pretty severe end of the spectrum. But when you look at it, uh, in comes Michael Vick, in comes Ben Roethlisberger, and he really lights things up. So uh, a week earlier than he would have expected to have to come in and play, but uh, Ben Roethlisberger gets the job done in a major way against the Cleveland Browns, and he really uh, just runs riot over the Cleveland Browns pretty much any time he plays them. And more quarterback news, uh, Brian Hoyer left with a concussion in the third quarter of Monday's win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, TJ Yates coming in led the team to victory, so a surprise win there for the Texans, but it puts them tied with the Colts at the top of the division, so we'll see now going forward. It makes it interesting, and um, with the rest of the results, obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars getting a win this week. It's making it a little bit interesting there. We'll see how things go. Kind of lucky uh, in the end to get the win. They are 3-6. and six. First win on the road this season, winning 22-20 with that late field goal, and it was very late because time had actually expired. 15-yard uh, penalty for a face mask leads to the field goal but 
the Jaguars had an illegal formation set up prior to the snap on that last play before the face mask. So very, very lucky that it wasn't a penalty against them with a 10-second runoff that would have ended the game and the Jaguars get a win on the road. The Baltimore Ravens uh, lose again there 2-7. and seven. And if you look at their record this season, the games they've lost, the amount of uh, very narrow victories and most of the time three points or less have been very, very tough on their season record. So 22-20 to 20 in that one. A uh, big win this week as well for the Ra- Vikings. They played the Raiders. Uh, they are 7-2. and two. They lead the division now ahead of the Packers. I'll be talking, obviously, with the Packers in just a little moment. I've been doing well not to mention it till this point, and I was trying to sweep it under the rug, but I guess I'll mention it after this game. We have the uh, Vikings 30-14. to 14. S- Seriously, seriously impressive win here on the road. Um, they're pretty much just doing what they want at the moment, and um, Adrian Peterson really getting back on track on this one. His biggest game of the season, uh, 26 carries for 203 yards and a touchdown. Have to be uh, very, very impressed with how this Vikings team is doing. And as a Packers fan, I am worried about the season going forward with them leading the division. But the thing is, they have a really, really tough schedule coming up, and that includes a game with the Packers. So we'll see how it goes over the next four or five weeks. But uh, the Packers up next, not playing well at the moment. This game, they had a, a couple of chances at the end to win it. Two-point conversion that didn't happen, and then a field goal that was missed. But Overall, uh, I don't think they deserve to have any chance to win. I played very, very poorly, executed the game plan pretty poorly, and uh, wide receivers at the moment just not getting open. Uh, James Stark's coming in at the running back position, 15 carries for 42 yards. So, you know, I did say on the preview podcast that a lot of people clamoring for James Starks, but when you look at what he was doing compared to Eddie Lacy, it was just that he was doing slightly better than Eddie Lacy. It wasn't that he looked like a, a world-beaten running back. Um, just a tough, tough loss. Aaron Rodgers, uh, true uh, career high 61 times in this, but um, only completed 35% of those passes. So a tough loss against the Lions, who had only won one before this. They came off the bye. Uh, they are 2-7. and seven. So the Packers need to start to pick things up, losing 18-16 to 16 at home uh, at Lambeau Field, obviously, um, where they have been so consistent over the last couple of years. So um, that's three losses in a row there now, 6-3. and three. Let's see the next couple of weeks. Can they get back on track? A loss this week for the Dallas Cowboys. They have lost every game since Tony Romo and died, and every game since Greg Hardy was signed, as we mentioned on the preview podcast. Uh, they lost this here, and it was a very, very low-scoring affair. It was uh, 6-3 was the final score, and the Buccaneers quite lucky in this one to get it. Uh, Jameis Winston goes on a, a quarterback run, uh, tries to dive over the goal line, and just loses the ball without getting touched, um, fumbles it into the end zone. The ball is recovered by the Cowboys, and it looks like the Cowboys have sealed the game, but you know at that stage it was only 6-3. But uh, on the uh, that there play, there was a holding penalty against the Dallas Cowboys. Gives them one more chance, and uh, Winston does a, a fake uh, of a run, and he rolls into the end zone for a quarterback run to win the game. So the game finishes in this one, uh, 10-6 to the Buccaneers. They're now 4-5, and five, the Cowboys 2-7. and seven. I know they're still whispering to the Cowboys making a run at the playoffs with Tony Romo coming back this week. Um, I'll just uh, skip to the future, and um, can't see that happening, unfortunately, for Cowboys fans out there. A team that is going to the playoffs, and they are on a real roll at the moment. The Carolina Panthers, nine and zero on the season, four and zero on the road, five and zero at home. They are uh, twenty-seven to ten victors over the Titans. Who I mentioned that a couple of players leave this game with injuries and are going to miss the rest of the season. Titans two and seven, zero and five at home, so not going well at home for them. And uh, this game was a comfortable one for the pack or for the Panthers. Um, obviously, Cam Newton playing very well. Stewart looking good in this with a nice touchdown run, and uh, overall just. This Panthers team is rolling at the moment. Not much more to say. We've covered it over the last few weeks. Defensively very strong. And just uh, very impressive as an entire unit.
Last game to bring up now, and it was the Cardinals getting the win on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. They were very, very impressive. Um, you know, game was very, very close. It started off actually quite not close, 0-0 after one quarter. Then uh, the Cardinals started to pull off to a lead, 22-7 at the half. And uh, then a little bit of a comeback by the Seahawks. There was a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, they did march a little bit of a comeback, but then uh, a win in the end with an, a long Andre Ellington run, a big game here for Michael Floyd as well. Uh, Andre Ellington, 61 yards and one touchdown. That Most of those yards came on that touchdown run, so very impressive uh, overall by the Cardinals, shutting down the Seahawks for the majority of the game, but uh, overall I have to say uh, this team looks very good, and I think after this win they have wrapped up the division. Michael Floyd looked very, very good in this, and uh, John Brown held without a catch in this one. So, very, very interesting result, and uh, one to watch going forward. But the Cardinals look like they're really leading, and they're possibly in the hunt for that home field advantage in the playoffs in a bye week. So, uh, nobody's going to want to face them come playoff time. This game nil nil after one quarter and uh, finishes thirty nine to thirty two. So, for a game to have no points after one quarter and to really, uh, you know, go pretty crazy seventy one points in the end, uh, you don't see that all that often. But um, that's all the games wrapped up for week ten. Obviously, a little bit of a different layout this week. Um, but uh, it's just with the uh, schedule being a little bit later in the week, we went through some different news and I mentioned the uh, the loss obviously for. The Baltimore Ravens will uh, just see coming across my Twitter feed here that Brashid Perryman has been placed on season end and injured reserve. Uh, he's missed all this season with that knee injury, so he's out for the rest of the season. His rookie season has not gone the way he would have planned, so we'll see him uh, back next season, and hopefully he can live up to that first-round draft status uh, that the Ravens placed in him. But uh, that's really, really all that there's left to talk about. We'll be back later in the week with a preview to Week 11. It's going to be a little bit later, uh, probably be out late Friday night uh, in Ireland and the UK and then it's and uh, hopefully it's going to be an enjoyable one for all you to listen to another guest scheduled but with guest scheduling don't like to put them out too far ahead of time uh, stay tuned to that Twitter feed if you want to submit some questions for the guest uh, sometimes with uh, arranging things with me being in Australia and you know USA and uh, the UK and so on with different guest arrangements it can fall through because the the show with Chris was meant to be recorded yesterday but just things did not work out in the end and things come up from time to time so hopefully uh, we'll have no it'll, the next one will run very very smoothly so stay tuned to the Ad Overtime Ireland Twitter feed give us a rate and a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn I'm off to work now um, so see you later guys and have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.